Welcome to another episode of the Woods, Water, Mizzou podcast. We are in your Homefield studios. Don't forget to uh, go check out Homefield and use uh, Variety Sports on your code for 15% off. But I'm one of your co-skeeter, and along with them as usual are Case and Cole. But we have two cases this week, but uh, how y'all doing? Oh, Good. We're good. Good. Man, I'm as good as I can be. I'm, I'm glad to be here, man. Yeah, so... Uh, we'll, we'll let our case from Missouri introduce you because he, he did the groundwork getting you in. Yeah. It's actually really good about this. When, uh, when we first started this podcast, case hook was one of the first people I wanted to have on when we got up and rolling. Um, man, he's like the perfect embodiment of kind of what this show is. You know, he's like that, that rural, like outdoorsman kind of country boy that, you know, he's two-time captain Mizzou. So if he checks all the boxes, super excited to have you. So, Case, welcome to the show, man. Excited to see you. Hey, like I said, I'm I'm appreciative for y'all reaching out, and I'm glad to be here. And anytime I get the chance to chop it up with some Mizzou fans, I'm more than happy to do that, man. I'm I'm not gonna lie. When I was on the school's website earlier today, I got a good chuckle while I was at work. Uh, it had your your picture from every year, and <laughs> you. You like expressing with facial hair and your haircut, so kind of, kind of glad to see you still rocking that. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I definitely tried to keep it fresh for the uh, for the profile picture. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, man. Yeah, you know, if something I felt like doing it, I just do it. And as you can see, I'm, you know, I got a good mustache going these days. So, man, what? it's. I always thought it was super cool because uh, my my brother all through high school was played guard. I played tackle. He played guard, but he always had the mullet come out of the helmet and then the biggest mustache he could get. So when I saw you rocking, I was like, I relate to that. That's that's my kind of style. <laughs> Anything that's just uh, out of the box, not you know, not the norm or whatever, I'll I'll probably be down to do something like that always. <laughs> well, Case, why don't you why don't you tell everybody kind of where you're at now? What are you up to? Uh, well, when I got done playing, um, I had a tryout with Kansas city and, you know, that played its course and you know, medical stuff was a big question in the football world with me because I was a little beat up, but you know, it is what it is. And, you know, once the writing on the wall was there, I was good with it. So I, I moved to Wyoming. I was living in Laramie. Uh, so I was there for just shy of a year i was working uh with strength and conditioning and football up there at university of wyoming and i caught a lot of crap <laughs> those guys oh, mercy. for a while and rightfully so yeah yeah but uh and then uh in january i started a new job uh here in mississippi at jackson academy i'm the assistant strength and conditioning coach here and I'm also a firefighter at Langford Fire Department too in my free time. So that's uh, that's about what my days consist of right now is staying out of trouble, going to work, and then going to work at a different place. 
I get it, man. My my father in laws worked for the company and we worked for and done a been fire chief for like the past twenty years and then even longer than that before he's chief. So I get it, man. That's that's a lifestyle right there. But uh it's it's been fun and it's been it's been a uh getting settled and it's been a, a breath of fresh air kind of just being away from from that scene and that setting. So it's been good for me. For sure. What's it like? Uh, what's it like working at the high school level? Is it um, obviously you came from there? You went D one, and man, that's such a goal for so many high school athletes. Uh, what's it like kind of getting to mentor uh, young athletes like that? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think the guys and and I coach all the athletes too. Both the guys and the girls are they're so uh, impressionable at this age and this like time period in their life. So I think you have a a really good impact on them if you're doing it right and you're selling out to do right by these kids. Uh, Cause you know, when you get to the college level, a lot of guys are already established and rooted in kind of who they are, what they think, you know, how they act and you can still have a good impact on them. And a lot of people did that for me, but I think at the high school level um, you can really help mold somebody and, you know, help them, you know, be guided to a right path. I'm not saying it's cookie cutter for everybody, but you can definitely uh, be way more impressionable on these kids at this age. Oh, totally. That's kind of why I asked. I mean, I'm the first person to say that I think the only reason, you know, I had the life I do is because I played football. I mean, if I had gone, if I, if I had not gone and played football in high school, not been in that, you know, that rigorous schedule of, you know, be a school on time or you're, you know, you're running or, you know, make sure you're in weights all summer, man, I would have, I would have gotten so much trouble. I would have, I wouldn't have taken school seriously. The only reason, only reason I ever took my grade seriously is so I wouldn't be running after practice. You know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly. Trust me, you're far <laughs> on that. Dude, I'll be honest, as a means to an end, always. Yeah. What can I do to stay eligible? What can I do to stay in the good graces of everybody on athletic staff? Absolutely. I think I think the absolute best thing you can do for a kid in that that like you said impressionable age is put him in a sport. And yeah. I think it saved my life. Honestly, I always say that. Yeah, I there, my I don't even want to think about how I'd have turned out if <laughs> I didn't play sports. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's an interesting point too about the uh, you know you playing at the D one level and then you know working with with high schoolers because obviously it's a step before you know you you achieved the goal that they're trying to achieve. Um, when, when I was in high school, we actually had a walk on at the, at Mizzou that came back and coached for, uh, for us, he coached wide receivers, coach gears. And it was during those magical, like, you know, the magical 2007 season, at least it was kind of magical to me. Um, and so then he took a core group of us, um, to go watch Mizzou practice. This would have been, Oh nine or 2010 somewhere in there to where a lot of that core group was still there uh that had that you know that run in 07 and it was just it was so high but you talk about being impressionable it was so eye-opening that to just see the game at that speed i mean you watch you know you go to games but when you see it in practice and you see the the finite detail that you know that level of a program practices at it's um yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. So I'm sure that those those kids that you're you know helping coach and everything like that. I mean, all the way down to you know form during a certain kind of lift. I'm sure these guys are just being sponges and and soaking it up. 
Yeah, and I think I think the thing too about it is is I, I think nowadays everything's so skewed because there's so much media out there, and you to let these kids understand what it really takes and what it's really like compared to you know what you might see on somebody's social media page or you know if you if they get the chance to talk to guys that they know that went on to play or coaches that played. I think that's the biggest thing for me is, you know, be honest and transparent with them about how it really is and what it actually takes to get there and stay there. Yeah. That's a good okay. point. Yeah. So are, are there some uh, Jackson, Mississippi kids that we might get a pipeline going to Columbia, Missouri with? <laughs> there's a, there's a few good ball players down here now. I don't know what the rules on recruiting and all that is. <laughs> from this side of things, but that, there's some, there's some uh, good ball players down here. I'll be honest, some good ball players on our squad. So uh, definitely, love to hear that. Let's go back. Uh, you, you told us pre-show you're from Clem, Georgia's, where you uh, you if you had to claim a home growing up, that would be it. Uh, and you're a three-star recruit from just going back and reading everything today. How did you pick – how did you land at Mizzou? Well, so Glenn Ellerby was the O-line coach at the time, and Heupel was the O.C. And um, I, I remember Glenn Ellerby came to town, and I talked to him a handful of times, um, just like over the phone and like through Twitter DMs, you know, how – the recruiting deal goes, but um, he came to town. He ended up, I want to say he played for or coached for the rival high school that I went, you know, of mine. And so he was kind of familiar with that area. And, you know, we kind of had similar mindset on some things. And then I realized how far away it was from home. And I was like, oh, yeah, get me far. <laughs> <laughs> And if my parents, my parents heard me say that, they'd be upset. And I've told them that before, but it was far from home. And when I got on campus and, you know, I talked to Coach Odom and, you know, the strength staff and got around the guys, you know, I was – it was something that I looked at and thought, man, this is, this is where I belong. These are people that, you know, I think the same as and people that I want to be around. And I really thought – you know, that we could we could do some damage and we could really turn it back into the Mizzou of old days. So, yeah, that's, that's 100% what brought me here. I love that. That's awesome. Uh, I do want to mention one thing because we've had a, a now former Tiger bummer. We had a really good friend of the show in Luke Griffin for a while. He'd come on. Um, but he said you were his, uh, I don't know, what's it like the, the senior player that kind of mentors the – the freshman or incoming freshman, something like that. I was he, definitely his recruiting host. That's what it was. Okay, that's what it was. Um, he said that you pitched uh, the hunting in Missouri to him. Yeah, because I uh, I knew a guy, uh, Wright Farms, Brad Wright, great guy. He uh, related to Jonah Dubinsky, or I think he's related to uh, Jonah Dubinsky's now wife, I want to say. Um, but – you know, he brought us out there a bunch of times to eat and stuff. He's a great guy and, you know, you know, allowed us to legally hunt his property and stuff like that. And once once I started getting eyes on the size of deer out there, 
Shailene. I said it makes makes Georgia deer look like puppy dogs running around. Dogs. <laughs> I was like, this is insane. And then of course you you know look into it a little bit deeper. Oh, yeah, they eat soybeans and corn. You know, basically all all they want. And so, yeah, year round. They're going to be huge compared to you know the stuff they're getting down here in the south. It's like you. It's like comparing you guys to your average Joe. Like you know, what I mean, you guys are getting yeah. genetics and the you know the the cream of the crop food wise and work. At, you know what I mean? It's yeah. that's that's the size <laughs> comparison that I'd make. <laughs> yeah. When the the first time I saw them, especially in person, I was like, "Oh my gosh, these are like cows." <laughs> like cows. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Go ahead, Case. I was gonna say, no, you're right, man. It's it's crazy how big they can get out here. Uh, and hell, up up in northern Missouri, people pay a huge amount of money to go chase them up there because the Iowa line, man, is crazy. Uh, you guys know the. I talked to one of the Durys this past weekend. You guys see they're, they're online YouTube. They're a big YouTube family that goes deer hunting. They're out in Osceola, just north of the border up here. And I didn't realize how many deer they've taken just across the border here in, in northern Missouri. So there's some absolute hosses up in this state. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Missouri, Illinois, Iowa, banging. Mm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what, while you were at Mizzou, uh, 2019 uh, was our last year of Barry Odom as a head coach, and you stay with the program uh, for Eli Drinkwitz to come in. Uh, can you kind of talk about that time and, and the change in the program? Yeah, I remember um, that 19 season was uh, definitely a wild one. We had uh, the NCAA sanctions were on us for – like some years before, I, nobody who was even on the team at that time was a part of that. And so it was like a bowl ban and all that. People were up in arms and rightfully so about it. And uh, you lose the opener and then we're number one in the East and we're ranked and then we lose to Vandy on the road and we went on a skid. And I remember kind of the vibe in the locker room going into that Arkansas game was if we win this game – he'll keep his job, and if we lose, he's out. So, of course, we want – I mean, all of us wanted to win bad. Mm -hmm. I remember in the locker room, everyone kind of had that sigh of relief, like, oh, like we we did it, like we made it through the finish, like he's Coach Odom's going to keep his job. Like I'm, we, we know there's probably going to be some other changes, we would assume. And then that next morning – you get a text from your position coach. It's like, hey, guys, uh, just want to keep you in the loop. We all just got the hammer. Golly, man. This is the day after the game. So you're like, wow. And so we had a, like impromptu. We didn't even have get to have a team meeting. You know, he didn't get to address us or anything. Coach Odom didn't. Um, of course, he made a lot of phone calls, I'm sure, that night because he called – of course, everybody that I lived with, I know he called, um, mm -hmm. including myself. But we kind of had an impromptu team banquet. And, you know, basically it was players and strength staff and a few position coaches that were still around. And it was kind of like, hey, guys, keep your ears open for whatever. And then I went and had back surgery probably a couple of days after that happened because I was, I was messed up. So – 
I had surgery on my lower back and I was kind of in limbo between getting back from that and waiting to see who's going to be coach and this and that. And so end up being him and I probably would have had some chances to leave and go play elsewhere. But at the end of the day, I was committed to the guys in the room for sure. Um, and the guys in the locker room. So I, I decided I was going to stick it out and try to be the voice of reason and good leadership. So, yeah, that's a huge like opportunity. I'm sure when, you know, you're halfway through your college career, you know, you've, it, you've literally come to a fork in the road where you can, you know, maybe even follow coach Odom down to Arkansas, or you can go, you know, anywhere else that you're going to potentially get an offer. Cause can you kind of walk through how, I mean, how does that work? Is it, is it up to, it's up to the incoming staff, right. To honor that scholarship. Yeah. And I think there's something along the lines of uh, a first year coach has the right to, I think, cut anybody he sees fit. Um, Dion used that this year. Yeah. Yeah, Colorado, Colorado cut the the staff in half, didn't he? Yeah, that is right. Yeah. I think, so yeah, I think you get to cut, you know, basically whoever you want, however many you want. Um, so there's that. And then, you know, obviously at that point in time, I had played for a lot of different people and a lot of different position coaches. And so, you know, a lot of people that are in or out of the conference that are coaching. And so, you know, those conversations, you know, Hey, you know, thinking about, you know, you know, everything's okay. Saw what happened. Okay. Then, you know, you have the thoughts rolling in the Rolodex, like, you know, I could probably, if I really wanted to, call so-and-so and ask him, you know, hey, if I was to transfer, would you take me? That kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. Those thoughts definitely roll through the head. But I think – and that was back before – that was right as the portal was becoming a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it would have been a different ball game if you, you know, put your name in the portal. I think it's like back opening the floodgates again like you're in high school. Right. Yeah, I definitely, you know, you definitely have those thoughts and conversations with your buddies and family. But, you know, you just got to figure it out for yourself and try to make the best decision. Yeah, it's it's super commendable, too. You know, that like you said, you you chose to stuck around or to stick around and realize, like, there's this there's this massive leadership opportunity, because obviously, you know, like I said, you've at this point, you've already been at the university for two years. You got some snaps under your belt. Um, you, you've played in this conference for two years to where anybody else that's coming in, a guy like we discussed in the pre-show, Michael Maietti, um, you know, you can kind of, even if they're in the same classes, you kind of guide their hand, you know, through through things like that. So that's uh, very, very commendable, especially in this, in this uh, age of instant transfer and, you know, an instant gratification. So, yeah, and I think too, just just the way I was raised and kind of the way I tick was I wasn't I'm not going to go to a place and take more from it than I'm going to give to it. And so at that time, you know, I had learned from a lot of the best, in my opinion, guys that I played with in the room, like, you know, Paul Adams, Alec Abel and those guys. Um, you know, I wasn't going to take from Mizzou more than I was going to give it. And we had lost so much, and I thought, well, if this was ever a time to, you know, be who I am and do this thing, and that was it. And then 
And then you fast forward a little bit in the 2020 season and what a whirlwind and how different that year was. Uh, new head coach, COVID restrictions, 10-game All-SEC schedule. Uh, I mean, that probably was unlike anything you you could even try to prepare for, right? Yeah, that was uh... – that was something. I'll be honest. That was. I remember when we got sat down in the team meeting room, and they were like, "We're everybody's going home." I was like, "For what?" For what? And then they, you know, they're telling us like all these crazy rules and stipulations, and by that time, like. I'm trying to get along in the rehab process. So I'm like, hey, no way. Like, I'm not I'm not going to go home. No way. I got stuff to do. I got to try to get back right. And so they ended up, you know, there was a, like a waiver. I think there was six of us that were actually allowed to come in the building. Of course, you get scanned like a dang grocery item at Walmart. <laughs> in the building. Yeah, that's true. That's a good way to put that, yeah. I mean, it was nuts. It was re- it was honestly nuts. I mean, I, we we got, I think, two helmet practices in in spring ball, which I wasn't even part of. But and then they're like, "All right, it's time to go home, finish the semester." But I mean, it was it was a complete madhouse, a complete madhouse. There's rules just arbitrarily. This you can do this, and now you can, and mm-hmm. it was it was nuts. But it ended up being pretty fun to be honest with you because i stayed in columbia the entire time nice so myself and paul adams was of course the nfl was going through the same thing he was with the redskins and we kind of just ended up being roommates (laughs) (laughs) and we get up you know i'd go to rehab and he would do his you know meetings and stuff and then we'd you know train that night and we just you know sit at the house eat work out and it ended up kind of being pretty fun man this is so wild man you i it's all coming right now you think about this you started out when you came in Missouri, or to uh, mizzou as a freshman you were basically in the old the old instable uh you went through a coaching change which a lot of people don't go through you went through the introduction of like the portal mm-hmm. and you went through the covid season so if and there's one thing you can't say is that you had the boring run of the mill NCAA experience because you anything that could have happened happened to you while in your time playing football. Oh yeah, we got sanctions too. <laughs> you got sanctions, yeah. We've been a bull band, yeah. The, the only thing you missed out on was the NIL money. Yeah, yeah I caught I caught just a little bit right there. Oh, did you? Okay. Was yeah? I guess your senior year would have would have been that as well. Yeah, that's a fair. I probably made I made less than five thousand bucks. And then, of course, you have to fill out your tax forms on it. So it's even right. <laughs> Golly. Hey, well, you I'll did it all. I'll take all. that. Yeah. Only thing you're missing was a transfer, which we already talked about that. Hey, so, <laughs> yeah, glad you didn't. Loyalty, man. I got, I do have, I got that loyalty bone to me for sure. That's awesome. I get it. But so we always say to some of us old heads, I guess I'm included in that now, but. You know, if you if you didn't uh, if you weren't in that Matsy, you weren't in that Matsy locker room. Uh, you don't. That's that's. Yeah. You know how it is. Right. Right. Yeah. If you weren't walking back and forth across that bridge on Stadium every day in Providence, 
Yeah, you probably were a part of it. Yeah. Now they got this new indoor too. If you weren't if you weren't practicing in divine in that 70 yards. <laughs> don't hear it. I don't know about it. I don't know. About it. <laughs> that's where so that's why I watched that practice back in what was that 09, I think. Yeah. Um, we were up there on that. Like I see that they mimic that with the new one, that like media platform or, yeah. or whatever it was. But yeah, I remember walking in and thinking this field looks a little short and yeah. coach Gares was like, yeah, dude, it's only 70 yards long. I was like, what, what sense does that make? <laughs> yeah. uh, that, I know I've spent many, uh, many a weary hour down in that back left corner. I can tell you that much. Oh. Yeah, when, uh, when I went to Missouri Western for a visit for football, they had, they had, they had the chiefs build them a full hundred yard there in 2009. I was, I was 2010. And the first thing they said was, yeah, ours is better than the zoos. <laughs> But D two school was like, yeah, guess what? Ours is bigger than the Zeus. The cheese money, baby. The cheese money. money. The way the great ones adjust. That's right. <laughs> okay, Case. So, do you have any connections with any of the players on today's team, or any of the coaching staff still, or you just kind of in the background watching as a fan? Yeah, I uh, I still talk to a couple of the guys. Um, and then, I mean, coaching staff-wise, I probably – I think I know one – I mean, I, I know the strength staff for sure. I know all those guys. Um, and then I know probably a GA or two, and then the guy, main assistants that are still around. But there's been so much turnover with them too. It's been – you know, it's hard to say you got a good connection with somebody. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's I was gonna say when he asked that, I was like, man, it's turned over a lot since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it weird? Kind of, you know, you you were recruited and and coached, or I guess played under Ellerby and and Heupel, and you know now they're at Tennessee, and so I mean, you know, Coach Johnson, I think, then replaced Ellerby, which then it was actually there. so it was Ellerby for seventeen when I was there. Okay, and then it was uh, Brad Davis for eighteen and nineteen. And right. then, uh Marcus Johnson for twenty and twenty-one. Yeah, and now he's at he's at Purdue, mm-hmm. and Luke followed him there, and Coach Walters, and yeah. so yeah, it's it's crazy. I guess how you you know in four years, depending on how much. Obviously, you don't want a ton of turnover within your coaching staff, but if yeah. you do, then you have a really broad net. All of a sudden, that's mm-hmm. you yeah. have a ton of contacts. Yeah, yeah, and it's. It's kind of wild to see, like, being on the other side now, like, everything unfolding. Like, oh, I know a guy that's, you know, in the middle of that. Or, like, something happens. Right. I could make a phone call right now and find out, like, what the real scoop is in yeah. 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, right. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, my last thing, Mizzou, for you. I'm going to put you on the spot here. All right. What kind of year are you expecting uh, on the football field for our Tigers? Um, I will be honest, and I my boys that are still there, the handful that are, um, I'll be honest. I don't I don't expect much different than than what has been passed, and I'm not saying that to be, you know anything but honest. Um, you know, something's got to give. You got to change something. You got to do something that you know has some some lead behind it that's got some substance and I just kind of feel like it's been 
from my years there and then now watching from the outside that just a lot of window dressing and fancy talk to say, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that, and it's kind of just been the same old same old program running, you know. But and, and I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope that I am dead wrong and I'll eat my words in December and they've turned the corner and do, are doing awesome. I really genuinely do. But that's just – that's just my instinct and what I I think. No, that's I'm kind of interested you said that because we did our uh, we did our game by game predictions last episode and mm. um, I was I got a lot of flack on social media because I said seven and five. Um, I think there was a, there was like what nine wins and eleven wins and I went with seven, and it was like, oh you know you're you're a hater what's what's going on here and at least for me um, you know I'm lived in Missouri my entire life I'm a you know true son here. Uh, show me state and we've gone 500 every single season under this coaching staff. And again, I want to be wrong. So I said seven and five, cause it's at least a step forward, you know, yeah, that's one game, but that made, I actually had a question for you. I want to ask on that. You have played for, uh, you played for, you know, previous coach Odom, you played for Drinkwitz. And when Drinkwitz was here, he was OC. So as you probably know, this is the first year he stepped down from OC and he's got a, a new one in there. Obviously you don't know anything about Kirby, but um, do you think that's going to be a positive for the team? Do you think that's something that needed to happen earlier? Um, I think it could be a positive. If he truly is the hired OC, if he is truly the OC and he gets to call the plays and and he's doing his own thing as the offensive coordinator, I think it could be great for him. Now, if he's just the OC hire and it's going to be business as usual, I think you'll – like I said, you'll get exactly what you've been getting. But – which, and of course, I'm not making any accusations by no means. I'm just yeah. saying that no. a broad spectrum. But I think it could be a really good thing, the fact that they have a hired OC in that, that own position. No, and I, I wasn't trying to get you like a gosh question. My, my thing is, you see in the NFL every year, is you'll have these hot shoe coaches come in who think they can run an offense, and it turns out there's a lot more work to run an offense and the entire team all at once. Um, you see, you know, you've seen coaches do it with defensive coordinators, offense coordinators. It's pretty common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, all I'm trying to say is, do you think that would something that maybe would make it run more efficiently? Again, like you said, because that's another accusation you get in the NFL level, every level, is that is he actually the OC or is he just has that title on his on his door? You know what I mean? So that's all. I'm, do you think that would make the team more efficient and run better if Kirby truly is the OC? Definitely. I'm a big if you. If you hire a guy for a job, let him do it. You know? Yeah, oh, absolutely. There's, yeah. there's so much going on, especially in college football, that you know, you've got to be compartmentalized and do your job and do what you're supposed to do and yeah. do it to the max. Yeah, I mean, there's, oh, go ahead, Case. No, go ahead, Cole. Well, I was going to say, there's been a lot of talk of like, you know, when he was extended, when Coach Trinkwitz was extended, um, you know, through the latter part of last season that – there might have been something in his clause, you know, contract clause. It was like, look, we're going to extend you, but you know, you've got to, you've got to bring in an OC, right, and kind of relinquish some of that control. Um, there's been, you know, the fans, us fans, are like almost sick and tired of talking about, you know, that, you know, the the offensive coordinator thing, right? Like, how much control is Kirby actually going to have? Um, the quarterback thing, which I know we talked about pre-show. Um, I want to get your get your thought on that for the listeners to hear. Um, but you know, it, it does make you wonder, right. If there's, if there's kind of some of that clause 
talk in there, I guess, as far as his, his you know, contract is concerned. Um, but as far as the quarterback thing, I know we, we mentioned pre-show. We heard what coach said week one, what, what to expect, um, you know, that both quarterbacks are going to play Brady and Sam. Um, from an offensive lineman standpoint, do you want to go over just a little bit of like how a unit prepares for, you know, potentially two different quarterbacks, not only in, in practice, but in a game situation? Yeah, um, you definitely you definitely as an O-lineman, as a unit too, you get to know your quarterback, how he is in the pocket, um, you know, what kind of runner is he? Is he going to be the guy who skirts out of bounds or is he going to be the lower the shoulder type? So when you go through camp and you go through spring ball, you kind of develop those bonds and that cohesiveness between the O-line unit and the quarterback, and you know what to expect and, and that kind of thing. And, and I think the base principle on that is consistency. So you, as a unit, you're trying to be consistent for him. Him, as a quarterback, is trying to be consistent for the whole offensive unit. So I think it just, in my opinion, gets a little – out of whack when you're going from, you know, whether it's this guy handles first and second, this guy handles third, or it's, you know, this series, this series, or, you know, whatever the case may be. I think that losing the consistency factor is more of a hindrance than it would be a positive by trying to trot out, you know, two different quarterbacks in right. my personal opinion. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good way of looking at it. And I mean, I've I've said all year long or all off season long, I guess. Um we know the the tail end of of last year. Um things were starting to look a little bit better, but you know, there there was a lot of talk about um, you know, the offensive line was kind of a glaring need uh mm-hmm. for the team last year. And so I've been saying all off season that it to me, honestly, it doesn't you're a quarterback is only as good as his offensive line, right? So, I mean, yeah, obviously there's going to be a, a talent level within that quarterback, but from tackle to tackle, um, if that if that O line's not solid, it doesn't matter who you have back there. Um, it's it's going to be, and you know that. I mean, you know, you guys you guys had some pretty good pretty good units there. Um, yeah, I'm, a, it, I'm probably one of the few few guys that's not been stuck in pro ball from my time there i'm probably one of maybe two or three guys that started from the years i was there that's not on a pro roster so we we definitely had we've pumped out some good linemen and there's definitely some guys in that room right now that have the ability to be really good players and just whether or not you know they make the choice or turn the corner and development or mindset or whatever their hindrance may be you know, it's up to them. It's up to that staff. And, you know, but I, I definitely think there is guys in that room that have the ability to be good ball players up front for sure. Absolutely. Well, Case, I'll be honest. I think that might be the story of the, the team right now. I mean, you know, a line better than anyone, but I'm just saying as the whole roster, I think this, this team currently is one of the more talented rosters we've seen since um, uh, 18 when we went on, uh, was that Drew Locke's senior year? Well, yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, that was. I mean, that's one of the best teams we've seen in recent vintage. I think this is one of the most talented teams since then, and I think the the hindrances is do these guys want to turn that corner and become big time players because that team definitely did. And I know I'll name off some of your teammates, you know, but like uh, Alberto, he made a big step. He was huge that year. 
you know, Drew Locke was he didn't huge his whole career, but he was big that year. Running backs, all the running backs were studs that entire season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you guys opened giant holes for him. That helps, you know. But uh, it's does this team want to turn that corner? And if they don't, like Case said, and like like I had said last week, I think we're looking at a six and six, seven and five. If they do, yeah, I think this team can beat some SEC teams. I really, I think this is a talented roster. I really do. I but agree with that. It's here's here's my ass and gear. Here, here's my counter on that, and the reason I picked us uh, the eleven win season. <laughs> uh, I'm captain optimistic, uh, but you know, you look at last year's squad. Okay, there's two games that I mean, yes, we lost seven games altogether. There were two games we didn't have a chance at winning, no matter which way you say this play or that play. Mm-hmm. Every single other one, other than the bowl game, and I don't even know that we count bowl games now because of the players in the portal, the players that sit out that said they're going to focus on the draft. So four of the six regular season losses were within one score. And there were mistakes from quarterback. There were mistakes from running back. There were penalties on the offensive line. We are returning the most starters in the SEC. Our schedule is favorable, I think. Uh I know all all this is, you know, theoretic in the mm-hmm. off season, but uh, and then you you look at the competition that was brought in. Yeah, we we lost Luke Luke Griffin, but we brought in some other offensive linemen that have playing experience at a D one level. So these guys are competing. Nobody's coming in to camp or was able to come into camp, maybe from Javon Foster across the offensive line and say, I got my spot, you know. Uh, Labor Day weekend to to start things off with. So they're in a different type of camp than what they've been in the past, I feel like. Uh, and and so you look at what we're bringing on defense, to me it's, it's what kind of quarterback play we get because uh, I had an uncle that had a very long career in the pros, offensive line and offensive line coach, and he really instilled in me, you know, if you don't have the best offensive line play, well, then the way uh, the coach calls plays to counter that, you know, you, you call plays to your team's strengths and mm-hmm. then your quarterback play back there. Are they hanging on to the ball too long? Are they reading the defense right pre-snap? A lot of that goes into it where it's not just, yeah, we can say the offensive line wasn't good, but was drink calling the proper plays? Was Brady holding on to the ball the right you know, given the right reads and the right pre-snap calls. So, <laughs> excuse you there, Cole. But so th- that's why <laughs> that's why I'm very optimistic. I'll be very disappointed if we're six and six. Absolutely. I'll, I'll be disappointed if they're six and six, too. I'll be honest. And I, and I agree with the things you're saying for sure. But I definitely, it's, I definitely think it's a slippery slope to – consider like performance-based stuff like on games that are close loss or close win because you could do that either way if it's a close win you know the team that you beat could say well you know it was this that and the other but I agree I think if you're in a place where you have competitive depth on your team then the the level that you operate at goes exponentially higher than if you have guys that are you know oh it's my job to lose basically 
So I, and I, I do hope they had a different style of fall camp than the one that I know. I really do. I hope they had a, a physical tough camp to where they improved and everything like that. I hope they did. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, and I, I guess that's a good point you just made there, and it makes me wonder. I wonder if, if I could, if we could have just dropped you in this current camp, and you could almost tell us the difference between because you saw year one, and I mean, Helen, you guys knew this. Drinkwitz had had one year as a head coach, where the team was pretty much turnkey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Talk about like buying like a race team. All the cars were built, the haulers filled at Appalachian State. He just had to get in a driver's seat and make some hot laps. Coming to Mizzou, a little different. He had some building to do. You know, he had to, you know, set up the cars. It's a fun NASCAR reference I just made. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways, I, I just wish I wish you could have like someone like you go out there and just see how far this program comes since day one versus now. Because I'll be honest, some of the stuff you said, I've had the same thoughts, you know, as a fan. Like, is that mm-hmm. what's going on here? But I want to know if I mean, I want to know if if uh those things have been resolved, have gotten better. And if, uh, you know, if, if the staff has grown, become more mature, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, obviously, we don't know. None of us know that answer to that question, obviously. But the, the, what you said this minute, I've, I've been thinking about that, is I would love to see from day one, you know, season one to now, what the staff has done. Because I feel like when they hire Drink, they were hiring him for his future, not for what he was right now. Because in a perfect world, he would have been, you know, in the, in Appalachian state for two or three more years before he got called up the sec, a situation we were in and they, you know, he got called up a little early, I think, but yeah, you know, I think that's something that I've thought about before is you kind of look at, I guess this is going into what year this four four now, year four, year four, four, you kind of compare his tenure up into this point to, you know, Coach Odom's tenure when he was four years deep. You know, of course, this is just me thinking about it because I was a part of both of them. Yeah. Are we – were we too quick on the trigger? You know, was that the right move to bring this guy in so early? Should we give him another year, this, that, and the other? And that's all hearsay. And so, speaking on the logical side of things, I would expect at this point to be going into year four that – Drink and the staff have made improvements and made strides with both the guys and, you know, the expectations and how standards are enforced. I would hope, you know, being in your fourth year, fifth year as a head coach that you have made Absolutely. those strides and improvements, I would think. So, you, I, I know, I, I just keep riffing off things you say, but you're saying some interesting stuff. To, um, you say the trigger was too quick on Odom. Uh, I feel like I feel like Odom was doomed in that season, no matter what, because Jim Sterk knew he was on the chopping block as well, and we saw that happen. I think I think, and I know Sterk stepped down, but I I do a Mizzou fan podcast. I can say whatever I want; it doesn't matter. I'm not in any job from Mizzou. <laughs> um, I feel like I feel like Sterk felt heat on the back of his neck as well, and he was like, "I gotta do something," you know. Um, I gotta do, and so I think he thought hiring a new coach was the play. Now we're obviously in a weird spot. We got a new AD since then, and I mean, look at the basketball side. What she's done, she's yeah. she's been lights out. You know what I mean? That's the well, best I, basketball I, hire. She's been. I, I all the times I've talked to her in my life, she's been 
fine in my book. So you know what? It's, that's 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 fun thing. You're an alumni. You're a team captain. I'm a nobody. I'm just a hick from Northern Missouri, and she's talked to me at games. You know what I mean? Like I've got to got to talk to her. She's a really cool person. Does great stuff. What I'm trying to say is, I wonder if that's a spot because that's not Drinkwitz isn't her guy, but he's in a weird spot where you're right. He's He's done some great recruiting. He's he's man. He is a great face. Hell, I'll be honest. I was just a ticket holder because Drinkwitz called me right after he got hired. He called me. He, I went to three. I I bought them three games uh, in the 2019 season. I bought mm-hmm. them all from Mizzou. I got a call from Drinkwitz personally, and he was like, "I'd love for you to be a ticket holder." And I was like, "Hell yeah, you got my money." <laughs> like I'll be honest, I've been on his bandwagon <laughs> since then because of that. Like a coach called me. Like how cool is that? I'm a nobody. You know what I mean? And, and he he really is. He's really good at that kind of stuff, and that's where he is the polar opposite of Coach Odom. Coach Odom was all about us, all about our program and what was going on inside those matchy walls, and and that and that's and that's what I loved about him. And then there's things about drink that made sense, and that you know you could get behind as well. But it's just yeah, they're they're different guys, and there was different temperature and viewpoint of us and the team from from both staffs and then they both have their positives and both have their negatives for sure oh totally i saw a video during the stanley cup finals of barry odom getting to ring the siren before the golden knights uh hockey game and i was like that's the most energy i've ever seen out of barry (laughs) i said the same thing actually the crowd pumped but uh, it's crazy that you say that because i've seen i've seen I don't think people would all agree with this that were around during those years. We've seen Coach Odom with some juice. I bet. Off- I bet you. I, said, I bet you have energy. So yeah, actually, that means you you are the first person I think we have talked to that would have been there for the uh, the Trash infamous burning. burning. Yeah, burning the playbook. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was that legit? Oh yeah, it was one hundred percent legit. I don't think anybody was ready for it because the support staff that was in the back was completely caught off guard. <laughs> they were trying to keep the sprinklers from Bro, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Dang, dude. I, this, I was revved up about it. I was fired up about it. And I know the people that were near me in the meeting were fired up about it. Hey, the results showed on the field. Yeah. A little shit fire. Maybe we're going to burn – some playbooks this year. <laughs> Hopefully, that's what Kirby Moore did first day yeah, when he walked yeah. in. He took drinks playbook and lit it on fire. Yeah, line. here you go. Yeah, in his <laughs> office, the new zoo can take a page or burning pages from the old zoo. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, I'll be honest though, I got hyped as a fan. That hyped me up too. I was yeah, like, well, man, let's go. Let's change something up. Let's go, boys. Yeah. <laughs> he can get me going. That's for sure. Hard <laughs> up. I want to get back into the outdoors talk with you. Uh, so I'm going to wrap up football real quick with two little quick notes. Uh, Dre Kirkpatrick, you got me, Junior. <laughs> you oh. got me. <laughs> like driving down the road, coming back from Missouri, he picks up the puts on the Mizzou hat, picks up the Mizzou shirt, and I'm like, yes, you know, and then he drops it, and I hear the crowd make noise. I look back over, and he's got the Alabama stuff held up. <sighs> You got me. You got me. But Jalen Brown picked up a three-star defensive end out of Alabama. Uh, he's an up-and-comer, 6'6", 250 at 17 years old. 
That sounds like uh, he's growing into an SEC defensive lineman's body. Uh, so excited for that. But let's get into the outdoors. Uh, you know, you, you talked about your deer in Georgia being puppies compared to these Missouri deer. Uh, so we know you're a deer hunter. Are you a gun or bow or both? I do a little bit of both. I'm I'm in limbo right now. I'm trying to get a new bow. And I was a cheater for a couple of years when I was playing ball. I got a crossbow just because I have time to, you know, well, get it in. But cheater will hang out on that one. Skeeter's a crossbow hunter. Yeah, oh, it's cheating, hundred percent. I I'll be but. If Missouri's gonna make it legal, yeah, I mean, if the state makes it, it legal, you might as well play ball. Yeah, yeah, you got to fill the freezer though. At the end, of that's the right, day. absolutely. People ask me like, "Oh, you shoot does?" Like, well, you can't eat the antlers. Oh, Case, you you might be the best guess. That has been our deer. That's our motto all deer season. It's Dude. freezer queens. Freezer. We are all freezer about queens. freezer queens on this podcast. We talked about this. Can't too, eat antlers. How that you can't eat the antlers, and in Missouri, if you're lucky. First, I've, I've lived in Missouri and hunted Missouri my whole life. Last year was the first year I've ever killed two bucks. You know what you can shoot as many as you want of? Oh, yeah. Does. Yep. Oh, yeah. They're seven bucks a piece. Go buy you a tag and shoot all the does you want. And, yep. I'll tell you, and I'll tell you this, too, with how everything's, you know, getting overpriced and all this inflation nonsense. Okay, you can go out there. You can shoot a doe. Yeah, you can get if you're really feeling wild, you can get some back straps off it, turn the rest into sausage. Okay, I've got one pound packs of ground deer, yeah, you know, all year. You kill two, three does, all right, you're you don't have to go really buy meat anymore. Absolutely, we just had sir. we just had homemade venison hamburger helper tonight for some. Yep, hey, yeah, that's right, man. Yes, that's sir. Right. Hey, for, man. for the people that give me flack about hunting with a crossbow. I just ask them if they're uh, primitive black rifle hunters. I don't know about Missouri's <laughs> laws, but I know Louisiana and Arkansas. Yeah, you're going out there with guys. a rifle. Yeah, you're going out with a with right. a rifle. You're not black powder anymore, so don't talk to me about cheating. But I'm with you. Hey, that black powder though, shooting black powder is fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of want to get into that too. I, I want to know. We we've asked before. What does a former uh, two-time key team captain, SEC offensive lineman. What's your what's your setup on your bow? What what type of draw length? What weight? Like, I couldn't tell you to be honest. I ain't shot one four or five years. Get this okay. man to an archery shop. Stat. Yeah, for real. Of course, I'm saving my money up and I'm fixing to get dialed in on it again. There you I'm, go. I've got the means now and I've got the time. But I mean, it's been it's been four or five years since I've legit been interested in yeah low trying or had to, the time yeah had the time just because i mean i'll be i mean i was i lived breathed and ate mizzou football yeah and so well, I, and i did my hunting on bye week i guarantee you that much yeah <laughs> Outside, no i was i was busy man dude i get that that's that's you're right that was uh that's a goal for a lot of for a lot of athletes and you know you know i so i didn't start hunting until uh after all that position in my life um really because i did a little bit before and then it seems like from the ages of eighth grade to senior year all i cared about was football that was my life that's all i cared about you know i I was practicing playing watching that was my life um but it was kind of the after that i needed something to 
compete. You know what I mean? Like that because you can't play anymore. You gotta you gotta find something to fill that gap. And um, I, I met my, uh, my my beautiful wife at college, and her dad is just one of the the best hunters I've ever met. I mean, I could not I could not uh, learn from a better guy, honestly. And uh, he got me into this world. Um, that fan behind me is my, you know, me and him, our, my favorite trip ever. We went out on a, an opening morning. He actually, he works the same job he has. He's been there forever. So uh, I can tell my boss that I'm, I'm going out on opening day with one of the high ups. And then, you know, no one can get mad at me for out turkey hunting, you know, sitting at work. But we had two toms come up a crest, uh, like five minutes in the light. Boom, boom. Two shotgun shells go off. We double up two big toms and, one of the best moments of my life, honestly. Um, but no, I, I man, hunting got really got that for me. And then uh, for me, bow hunting was huge because uh, it's a craft, man. It's a craft. You got you got to practice on it. it. Every day I go out and I shoot arrows in the backyard, man. I just want to be the best. It's, it's it it feels it feels like football to me. You know what I mean? Like I gotta I gotta practice. I gotta be good at this. So bows become an obsession because of that, man. I love it. I agree with you. I agree with you. Hey, I can go and tell you somebody that has lived a majority of their years in the South Louisiana and worked all over Mississippi. You get around that Mississippi river, you'll be surprised by the size of the deer coming out of there too. Oh yeah. Uh, I've been doing my scouting. I've been on top of things. There's (laughs) since I showed up in January, I've been on top of things boys. Yeah. There you go. Uh, But I'll tell you this too. You ain't going to get around here from fish and wildlife. Them boys around here. They are some headhunters. They will find you. Oh, they will find you every time, and they will question you like you've committed a heinous crime. You just, are they that thick out there? Oh, they're oh, it's crime. it's unreal in the really. South. Oh yeah, yes. I mean, Cole, do you ever get hassled out here? I've not been bothered once in my life. <laughs> no, I keep my nose pretty clean. But, well, I do too. Uh, but I've never even like been pulled over uh, to yeah, check or I, anything. I, yeah, I think it depends on you know. But no, I mean, I've seen them. Matter of fact, it's funny that you mentioned that yesterday, just driving around Columbia. Um, I saw more conservation agents in and around Columbia that I've ever seen before. And I was like, are they doing training or what the heck? Is they were going counting on? something. They must have been. I don't know. Hey, my friends are conservation agents. Yeah. Last year was my first time in three years of coming across a game warden here in Arkansas. And he told me that there's two two for the whole county yeah it's usually how it is in missouri and where i lived in louisiana which i mean i was one parish over from the river but uh you know they don't do counties down there a little small town two thousand people i went to church with three (laughs) (laughs) they weren't they weren't even half half of them for the area you know And, and it's just it's so different to be able to go out and not be looking over your shoulder. Where's that green truck at? You know, so right. uh, <laughs> you I, I feel your pain. There, you better be in order. Yeah, that's good though. I like that because it keeps uh, like keeps posting. You know, you out. go out there and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't have my, you know, I don't have my phone that has my hunting license on it, or I don't have my hunting license period, or mm-hmm. you know, oh crap, I'm turkey hunting and I'm carrying a. <laughs> I forgot to take this buckshot shell out of my, you know, turkey bag, whatever. You know what I mean? If Case hasn't met him yet, he'll he'll meet some guys and can hear some stories. And the reason they're they're that thick, you have that much vast farmland. Uh, there was no such thing as hunting season. It was hunting. <laughs> you know, there headlights in a field, spotlights. If there was, it's brown. It's down. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and you're lying saying. if you've ever said you ain't done something along those lines, too. Right. You know, I'll, I'll put that up against anybody. You, you'll, nope. You're lying if you ain't done something like that. That's you notice I said podcast. I, I try <laughs> to plead keep the, my nose yeah. clean. Plead the fifth. <laughs> I, don't, I don't put anything down on recording. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't, me. don't incriminate yourself. Exactly. Right. Okay, so what, what other hunting uh, do you do? I do some turkey hunting. Okay. Do some turkey hunting. Um, I like to get out there. I like to go back to Wyoming and get on some of that big game just because yeah. being out there and living there, man, and talking to people about it, it's that seems like something up my alley. And then I, I'm, I fish heavy too. I'm, I like fishing. That's awesome. Well-rounded. I- you know, and out there in Wyoming, I try to be a jack of all trades. Try it. You know, it's all so much. It's a good time. No, I, I go out to uh, around Fort Collins three times a year. Or so uh, my wife's best friends out there and do trout fish out in the in the Pondre Pooter 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 Mountains, I think it's called. But uh, no, down there from Laramie, you know, we always stop in Laramie on the way in. But uh, that's that's I'd go back there as well, man. Beautiful area, and I think I'm gonna try an elk hunt out there at some point as well. Now you better be ready to shovel out some cash now. Yeah, well, yeah. Whether or not, because it, it's even expensive for residents too. But yeah. it's not. It's not cheap out there. It is. Whew. And you get put in a lottery too. It ain't even like it's a done deal. You can pay money and get nothing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Cole, yep. Yep. Cole and his dad. Uh, what you tell them, Cole? It's your story. Yeah, we just we. Um, my dad's from the southwestern kind of grew up in the southwest part of the united states so we still got family in new mexico mm-hmm. um we did an over-the-counter elk tag cow elk tag rifle um late cow and it was it was incredible we did an episode on it um so much fun so different than than anything that i've ever done before i mean we've we've done a lot of hunting in a lot of different states but everything from the the elevation you know here in columbia it's eight nine hundred feet their base camp was eighty four hundred feet so i mean we're getting out of we're loading stuff from the jeep into the cabin and we're like why are we breathing so heavy man we're just carrying stuff into the cabin um but yeah absolutely incredible incredible hunt that we're thinking about making a buy not a biannual doing it every other year Mm -hmm. um and and just kind of seeing seeing how that goes or you know maybe doing switching up doing a muley tag or you didn't tell him what you got you just told me you went oh, i got a cow elk yeah well, and, and, yeah. and your dad and da- yeah dad well, and i both got one come home with it. yeah it was matter of fact we we both got one um and the guy that we were also with got one and so it was just him and his wife my my aunt and uh i guess yeah he's my uncle um but we had we had to end up buying a uh, like a tra- like trailer hitch receiver like platform deal, yeah. And uh, we ended up blowing the rear shocks out on Dad's Jeep on the way home because there was so much elk meat on it. So <laughs> it was a good trip. <laughs> it was a good trip. Absolutely. We're like, man, this. You know, we ended up stopping for gas, and Dad was like, this seems like it's a lot more rough than usual. And goes back and looks, and that those shocks are just basically sitting on the the bump stocks and yeah we're like well it is what it is <laughs> right. you gotta do something crazy to get good stories it was, it was a good time you know like cole since we have started this podcast last year uh six deer correct Two five 
Five. Five. Yeah. Okay. Five. Uh, turkey and an elk. Yeah. So, uh, I had a good year. I just told him I had my best year ever. He's laying it to me in case pretty good. Yeah, he's on a heater right now. <laughs> you guys are up. You guys are up. I, I started off decent. I killed two in 23. So there you go. I'm, yeah. I'm, or I'm, well, let me think. This is 23 right now. Yeah. I'm thinking of 22. I killed two in 22. There you go. That's what I got. Yeah. Well, in Mississippi, I mean, that, that deer season goes to like March. Well, like and through here, uh, duck hunting's but far and away what people get red. Right. Yeah, that's the thing down there, right? I'm like, sign me up. Get out of the public land. Get out of here. Let the, you know, let the cats yeah. come here, get some real meat. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, I want to ask you now, like, going forward and you working with the youth like you do, uh, young athletes, how do you, have you got to lead or, talk about the outdoors and, and pique the interest in younger generations or do you kind of keep it to yourself? I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask. Yeah, I, I chop it up with the guys that are, you know, that want to talk about it and stuff like that. And I think there's there's something at the school that, it, you know, partners with like Ducks Unlimited or something. So there's a good little, uh, you know, demographic that is all about it. And, you know, I'll chop it up with those guys and girls about, you know, hunting, fishing, what have you, but, uh, you know, if somebody asks me something and I know something about it, I, I ain't going to try to keep no information from them. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, are, are you teaching them the benefits of getting into the outdoors to take the break from their athletics and their school responsibilities? Oh, yeah. we, need to, we need to quit counting the money and holding the, the Xbox controllers and get some calluses on our hands and go get sunburned. And, uh, Hell yeah. And even walk into some poison ivy from time to time when you're young, just to keep you honest. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I, the, the kids nowadays, they need to know you got, you know, let's go be outside. Let's go, let's go do something that's hard. Let's go scout it out and put the work in. And then, you know, you may hunt through a season and not get nothing worthwhile. Hey, well, you just got to regroup and go scout it out again next year and try yep. again, you know. Just, teaches yeah. a lot of lessons, man. It sure does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. My uh, dove season opens here in eight days. Yeah, September 1st. Actually, it's the day after uh, opening home game here. And um, yeah, I'm taking her dove on. She's going to be my my dove dog, so to speak. Your she's going to retrieve them. So she's pretty she's pretty revved up about it. Um, I guess I just dawned, dawned on me. I may have to take her out of school, but. She'll be all right. She just in she just in kindergarten. So just just to clarify, you're talking about the older one, not the new one, right? Yes, yes. I guess I could take. I guess well, I could take my take the baby. Uh, speaking of, a hey, shout out to Mickey. He he printed the uh, the girl dad shirt for me today, and so I told him. I said I'll yeah. throw it on tonight. We're recording tonight with Case, so I'll uh, I'll throw it on tonight. But yes, yes, take my oldest, not the not the two month old. Well, might as well take both of them. Those I guess I could. Sacagawea, yeah. Sacagawea. Right. You see those? Man, I saw those pictures. I don't have one because I'm poor, but they had like those redneck blinds, and that that dad will have like his his like ten ten week old baby in there because they're so quiet. If you're shooting the right. bow, he ain't gonna make any noise, you know. Yeah. I was like, man, that's the life right there. I couldn't do that when I had when I had my daughter. Uh, I had uh, some tree stands and a and a pop up ground blind, so I didn't have the option to just jam her in there with right. me. <laughs> Luckily, I ain't got no kids right now. 
But my brother just had a baby, so I got a niece, and she's about working on three months old. So yeah, it's fun, man. It it's it's fun. We're all the three of us are dads, and we I feel like we do a pretty good job, right, of getting our kids involved in the outdoors. So yeah, I mean, my kid says some weird stuff to like other kids. Like we'll be at like a one of our friends' birthday, and they got like you know city kids, and my daughter's like. <laughs> She'll say stuff like, "Me and Daddy catch fish, cut their heads off, cook them, eat them." Like that's that's an exact that's an exact like, sentence my daughter says all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Daddy catch fish, cut their heads off. Sounds like a good time, to right? That's what we like. Like we we were out fishing up there in Fort Collins, and we're, we're eating trout. I caught that day. I, you know, we, we got done grilling it, and uh, she's just like, you know, doing taller stuff. She's like, puts like a handful of the meat I gave her in her mouth, and she's like, "Oh, I love trout." <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah, yeah it's i gotta raise them man i gotta be eating that wild game i'm, go. I'm in the it, uh pass it down that's the way it is mm-hmm. my dad taught me and my brother so we just pass it on to the next of us my, exactly. my daughter will be 16 uh here coming up in a couple of weeks and i'm playing catch up on her on uh biggest bucks so uh love that she's in the outdoors don't love that she's <laughs> her first year hunting she got a bigger one than i've got of my 15 oh, yeah it goes like that though good problems to have good problems. Right. Yeah. with case and cole you'll have anything else for for case <laughs> man oh no, man yeah unless you got anything else you stories you want to tell man i say it's it's been an honor having you on been a lot of fun been awesome been a great conversation yeah it has. um I can't thank you enough. And just, again, it's, it's, I probably sound like a broken record, but it's super commendable of you to, you know, stick it out at the university and, and, you know, embrace that leadership role. And it turned out, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're probably thrilled with how things, you know, ended up, obviously if you could take the injury bugs away, um, you know, you probably, probably wouldn't have done it any other way. Uh, no way. No way. Yep. Put it all out there, and um, they was gonna have to cart me off into the morgue, or <laughs> the way it already did. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing, man. And I'm just grateful to have been surrounded by good people, staff, teammates. You know, people I went to school with that didn't play ball. So yeah, I'm, I'm as fortunate as I could be, man. Guys like you make me proud to be a Mizzou fan. The way you represented yourself on the field and off the field and continue to represent the university now, it means a lot to me as a fan to see the guys, you know, still be vocal for the university, and but also the way you just represented yourself while you were a student athlete. Uh, it, it didn't just – you weren't just known for your on-the-field to play. So uh, – Appreciate you coming on. Really excited to see where the future goes with you and, and the impact you make on the younger generation. And uh, who knows, maybe you're not done with the game of football. You know, they've got the XFL, uh, all these other leagues popping up. So you might be getting more phone calls. I, I can I can tell you the answer to your to your <laughs> Those uh, there's been a few phone calls and just ain't no way, boys. I'm I ain't in no kind of shape to be able to do that anymore. I'd have to put on 60, 70 pounds again to be able to. Golly. Well, Case, 
I'll tell you what. Ignore that. Get that bow, and I've, oh. I got land up here. I know Cole's got spots. If you ever, if you ever want to, you know, put the energy into into getting that bow side, and you give us a shout or a rifle, and you can come hunt up here and spend your time. Would you be practicing on football, uh, doing a little hunting with us instead? So yeah, if you, come, you got my number, give me a shout, man. Yeah, I, I'm the kind of guy that'll take you up on that. You'll get a phone oh. call or a text message one day, and I'll be like, you remember that time on the podcast? <laughs> it's time to cash in. That's right. Hey, we got multiple like, free stands and spots, buddy. You can put you somewhere. Don't you worry. I appreciate that. I appreciate Absolutely. That. Well, go and give us a sh- uh, our listeners a plug on where they can find you. You so can find me uh, – I'm pretty sure all my social media is all lowercase C-A-S-E underscore cook. I'll keep it as simple as I can can make it. It's an easy one. I like it. All right. Well, I appreciate y'all having me on, man. Like I said, I, uh, I, it, the honor is definitely all mine. I appreciate y'all thinking of me enough, uh, to put me on the show and everything like that. It's been a, a heck of a time. So, the honor is definitely mine. I appreciate y'all having me on. It was a heck of a time. I enjoyed it. Good deal, man. Absolutely. Thank After the so season, much. I hope to bring you back on and have be able to grill the two cases for their wrong team. Football. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you call me and call me an idiot. Tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, we're going to do. I hope you guys, I hope they turn it around, man. I really do. Absolutely. We're going to do that with football and we're going to do it with uh, with hunting because I told Luke, too, after he transferred to Purdue, I was like, all right, once you get there, we're going to have to bring you back on the show to get a report on Indiana deer versus Missouri deer versus oh, Georgia I'm deer. So. actually excited about that because Indiana's got some monsters in it. They really Indiana's, do. Yeah. We will rank last. That's easy. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, man, we're, we're looking forward to it again. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, man. M-I-Z till I-D-I-E, boys. Right. Love it. All right. Well, uh, from the home field studios, uh, Variety Sports Network, this has been another episode of the Woods, Water, Mizzou podcast. Uh, y'all have a good week. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Go Tigers. Y'all take care. <laughs>